founding of the church uh, in Acts 17. Uh, the, the Bible says, uh, uh, as Paul, as his manner was, verse 2, he, but it's amazing how much he taught them in three weeks. Uh, when you when you uh, riffle through these letters, First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, uh, these people knew about a lot of things that a lot of people that's been saved many years don't even have a clue about. Uh, of course, Paul was uh, no doubt uh, top of the line teacher. Uh, he knew what he's talking about. Uh, seven mysteries were revealed to Paul in the New Testament that nobody had a clue about in the Old Testament. Uh, Paul wrote 14 books of the Bible, uh, so he's well-versed. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, and uh, before he got saved, he, of course, studied the Bible and the Old Testament. Once he got saved, all that uh, became like a new book to him. Uh, he started seeing Christ in it. Uh, when he was a Jew, he'd read them Old Testament passage, but he'd see Israel, but he couldn't see Christ. He, but once he got saved, uh, he started seeing Christ and all these things that transformed his Bible. Uh, it would anybody. At the time of this writing, is believed to be about a year after his first visit there. Uh, these believers uh, had lost uh, some loved ones. Uh, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, he said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you saw not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. So they had lost some uh, loved ones, which happens, you know, in a year or two years' space of time, uh, people die. And uh, so they had lost some loved ones. And they were suffering, since they got saved, they were suffering some persecution. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions. Uh, so they were going through some persecutions. And they were going through some tribulations. Second Thessalonians 1 and 4. And tribulations that ye endure. So here was some people that Paul had taught about the coming of the Lord, not in detail, but he had taught them about the great tribulation. He had taught them about these things. And now Paul was gone and their loved ones, some of them had died. And they were going through being persecuted and going through tribulation. And so their problem was that uh, they thought that the Lord had already came and they had missed the rapture and they were now in the tribulation. Uh, that's what they thought because they hadn't been taught thoroughly on that. Now someone had wrote a letter, Second uh, Thessalonians 2 and verse 2, that you be not soon shaken in mind or trouble, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us. Somebody had wrote them a letter and signed Paul's name to it. And, uh, and I don't know what the letter said. Nobody else does either. But uh, this letter, according to verse 2, uh, this letter uh, had, had, shook, had shook them up said that they you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled in spirit. Now, if I was a young believer and I got a letter and I was going through tribulation, I was being persecuted, 
And I thought the Lord had already come. I'd be shaking in mind and trouble too. Uh, if tonight, uh, if tonight uh, an event were to happen and somehow or another you or I thought that we had missed the rapture, uh, we, we'd definitely be troubled. We'd be shaken to the core. And uh, so Paul, is, uh, he's writing this letter to them. And, uh, and he's uh, wanting to reassure them that they hadn't missed the rapture. And he's going to go into some detail about the coming of the Lord. Now, since many of you have a Schofield Bible, Schofield Study Bible, how many of you got a Schofield Study Bible? Okay, about everybody's got a Schofield Study Bible. I need uh, to say something. Uh, I love the Schofield Study Bible. 75% of its footnotes are correct as far as I'm concerned. But any study Bible that's been written by a man and it gives you a man's idea of what he's thinking, it's subject to error. Footnotes are not infallible. The Word of God is, but footnotes are not. Now the old Thompson Chain Bible that some of you are familiar with, it never gives you nobody's opinion, it just refers you to more Scripture. In other words, if you're looking on the subject of jealousy, say starting in... And Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel, it just links you all the way through the Bible with every scripture that has anything to do with jealousy. And once you get it all compiled and together, uh, then with God's help, you can, you can decide what the Lord uh, is saying there. Uh, but uh, notice uh, the note there at the top of the page, on page uh, 1271, under where it says theme. And it says the theme of 2 Thessalonians is unfortunately obscured by a mistranslation in the authorized version of chapter 2 and verse 2 where the day of Christ is at hand. It should be the day of the Lord. Uh, well, uh, I'm sure Mr. Schofield is a thousand times smarter than I am, but he's wrong on that footnote. Uh, and the reason I know why he says that, uh, because there's a there's a passage there in verse three that he don't know how to handle uh, with what he believes. And verse three said, "Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And here's where the problem comes in, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition." Now, uh, Dr. Schofield and, and uh, about every Baptist preacher that I know anything about, uh, they, they teach that the Antichrist will not be revealed until after the rapture of the church. But if you look at that verse and uh, the way it reads, again, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. So, sometimes you run into verses in the Bible that don't agree with your doctrine. I've had a lot of mine messed up. I've had some of the best sermons messed up when I turned to a certain passage and said that won't work. But here's the principle that you want to remember tonight. Whenever your doctrine or my doctrine or anybody's doctrine 
whenever it don't agree with the Bible, you don't say the Bible's wrong. You say, I must be wrong. The Bible's never wrong. Uh, if my doctrine won't line up with the Bible, there's a couple things going on. One, I, I just need to read and pray a little bit more. Or number two, my doctrine could be absolutely wrong and I need to change it. Some people say, well, uh, I believed this all my life. My daddy believed it. My grandma believed it. And I just ain't going to change. Well, a man's on dangerous ground when he gets a position that the Bible can't change. Uh, the Bible, I've had a lot of mine changed after 20 years of preaching. Uh, and I'm still having things changed. You say, why? This book is so deep and vast and my little mind is so small that it's hard to keep it all together and comprehend it all. And uh, so I'm, I'm not by any way uh, belittling Dr. Schofield. What a great contribution he's made uh, with this Schofield Study Bible. Uh, but as I said, 75%, and I'm guessing, of the footnotes are correct. Uh, but there's probably 25% in there that's his opinion or may not just be right. And so you have to watch stuff like that. Now, uh, this, is, this is not, as he says, a mistranslation of the authorized version. That's not what that is. It is a misinterpretation of the authorized version. Uh, John R. Rice followed the same line. Years ago, John R. Rice came out with a study Bible. And uh, it wasn't much in it. I used to have one. Uh, but John R. Rice, uh, the way he got around that is he made, uh, he made the, the falling away. There where it says in verse 3 that there would come a falling away. He made that to be a catching away. Uh, and he made it the rapture. Of course, by doing that, then he got, he got the church out of here. But the reason he did that was because a, uh, a well-known uh, Greek scholar uh, by the name of Kenneth Weiss, he changed it from a falling away to a great catching up. That's what he said, a great catching up. But none, none of that bears out, really, uh, when you really get into the study it just don't bear it out so to make the rapture to come before the revealing of the antichrist uh, they changed the bible now ever since i've been in the ministry i've always read that verse and i don't know if i think you understand what i mean but the spirit of god inside of me never would let me completely see that that way. I have taught it that way, but I never did feel right about it. Uh, so, uh, what we want to see here is that the day of Christ, that's what it says, the day of Christ, verse 2, is at hand. It's always connected with Christ's first coming or the rapture, if you will. Uh, we'll look at some places. Let's just stay in Philippians. Look in the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians and chapter 1 and verse 6. 
being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, I know for me, I know when my work's going to be over. Either when I die or when the Lord comes. And in the context of this verse, it says, it says that He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He didn't say until the day uh, to the day of the Antichrist, but until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's look at another one in Philippians, verse 10. That you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. That's something I can, I can only do till uh, the rapture, because when the rapture takes place, I'm, I'm gone. Or when I die, I'm gone. Alright, let's look at another. Philippians 2, verse 16. Holding forth the word of life. I always think about that verse when we do Scripture sign holding. Holding forth the word of life. I know that ain't what it means, but I always think about that verse when it says that. And he says, holding forth uh, the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So when you see that word, the day of Christ, that has reference to Christ's first coming. And His first coming is at the rapture. Now, whenever you see the day of the Lord, and it's in the Bible a lot, whenever you see the day of the Lord, that's always surrounded by judgment, wrath, and tribulation. Uh, we're close. Uh, let's go over to the book of Peter and uh, look what Peter says. Verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fever and heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. That doesn't happen at the rapture. That happens when Christ comes back uh, at the end, and that's called the revelation. Look over, and we could, we could spend the rest of the time in Isaiah. He has so much to say about the day of the Lord, and it's always wrath, judgment, darkness. Uh, it's always something bad. But let's go to the book of Joel. Joel mentions this a lot too in the book of Joel. Uh, Joel uh, chapter 2 and verse number 2. Blow ye the trumpet, verse 1, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds, of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. You go ahead and read that on down through there. That's talking about the tribulation period. That's talking about the battle of Armageddon. Uh, so a lot of people want to lump it all the same when it says the day of Christ and the day of the Lord. They want to make it all the same. But remember this. Things that are different are not the same. 
That's why Jesus said, Watch every jot, every tittle. Man shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. How do you get a right doctrine? Isaiah said, Here a little and there a little. That's how you do it. Uh, how do you know it? Uh, the uh, spirit, spiritual things are spiritually discerned, comparing Scripture with Scripture. Okay? So those days are different. Those days are different. The day of Christ, rapture. The day of the Lord, tribulation, end of time. Now, the signs that precede the revelation. The revelation is when Jesus comes with the armies of heaven. Okay, the signs that precede the revelation are outward. You say, what do you mean? There are wars, earthquakes, pestilence, famines, deceivers, false prophets. Jesus taught that to His disciples who came and said, What shall be the sign of thy coming and the end? And the end. So those signs are all outward. They have to do with what we can see. We've been seeing that. Okay? We're seeing it more than we have ever seen it. Uh, I realize part of that has to do with we have more ways to see it. Uh, I realize part of that is because that something can happen, the queen can die, and we know about it in minutes after she died. Used to, that wasn't possible to do that. We have a lot more media and ways of knowing things. We have better ways of, of uh, knowing when an earthquake takes place. Uh, used to want it to take place, and we'd never know nothing about it on the other side of the world, and sometimes even on the other side of the United States, we wouldn't know anything about it. But now they have all these instruments and things, and they can measure just the, just the slightest tremble. They can pick it up, and they can measure it, and they're going on all the time. Jesus said there'd be earthquakes in divers places, places that normally there was an earthquake. Okay, all that has to do, all that has to do in Matthew 24, the church is not even pictured in Matthew 24, it's all Israel. All that has to do uh, with the, uh, the revelation. Uh, look over in Matthew 24, and uh, just look at some things there. The whole thing's... Tribulation. But here's the point now. Don't miss this. And thank you, Lord. If we're seeing all these things here happen, and they're a sign of the revelation when Jesus comes, and that's seven years from whenever it starts, and we're seeing all this happen now up here, that means we got to be close. The rapture has to be close. And you'd have to be Bible illiterate, a plain out fool, to not realize that we are in the last days. Soon to become the latter days. And as hard as preachers want to do it, they try to make Acts 2 where we're at today. Neighbor, we're not in Acts 2. That was when the church started. We're all the way over here where it's about over. And things are not the same. We're not in the point where the Holy Spirit was being poured out. We're at the point where He's starting to withdraw Himself. And that's why you're having such a, 
that's why you're seeing what you're seeing. Now, I want you to get that. The signs preceding the revelation are all outward. We can see a war. We can, uh, we can see earthquakes. Uh, we can see pestilence. We just saw one the last two years. And Joe Biden says it's over. It's convenient it got over right before the election. It's funny it wasn't over when I went in the doctor's office this evening. They made me put a mask on and couldn't get in or out without a mask on. But it's over, they say. Uh, all that's outward. But look, that's all to the Jew. That's talking about before Christ comes back at the end of the age. But you and I are not a Jew. We are inwardly, but we're not one outwardly. And our apostle is the Apostle Paul. The Bible said he was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles, which is us. Our apostle doesn't tell us about earthquakes and famines and pestilence. He don't say a word about it. Our apostle tells us about the degradation and the depravity of man. Second. Timothy 3 and 1. Here's what our apostle said. Know this in the last days, that perilous times will come and men will be lovers of their own self, proud, boasters, disobedient, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, furious, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Our apostle didn't tell us to watch the wars and the earthquake and the famine and to see when our Lord was coming. Our apostle said, watch the depravity of humanity. And when you see that coming, Jesus is close to coming. I don't think there's anybody in this room, if they was honest, sometimes we get blinded by it and Sometimes we, uh, we just fail to see it. We kind of like the frog in the bowl in water. We just kind of get used to it and don't pay no attention to it because it's gradually coming on. But friend, you and I cannot go outside, even in a little small town like Glasgow, that we don't see depravity everywhere with these, with these uh, vulgar tattoos, with these... Uh, these uh, all these uh, parasinks. And I'm seeing these young ladies. I just saw one at McDonald's when I got a cup of coffee. Beautiful young lady. Clean cut. Looked like, you know, everything's great. And she's got that ring there in her nose. All in her eyes and ears and everything. And you know what that is? That's just depravity. Hey, a natural man don't stick holes everywhere because he don't like pain. I mean, the Bible talks about earrings. I can understand that. But the Bible has nothing to say about these eye piercings. And I seen a fellow the other day and he had that looked like big needles just all stuck through his jaw. You seen that? And I thought, I bet that feels good when you're trying to eat. 
And then they got these earrings where they looks like they took a hole punch and punched a hole in their earlobe and then stretched it over something about the size of a half a dollar. And if I ever got in a fight with one of them, I know what I'm going for. He's already got a hole there for me to get a hold of. Amen? That is depravity. Now, History Channel won't agree with me, but we're close to 6,000 years in history from the beginning of time. 4,000 of it was in the Old Testament. 2,000 of it has been since the cross and up to wherever we're at right now. So we're down near the end. The Bible said man's days will be six days, and he rests on the seventh. I'm a man. When the Bible speaks of a man, he speaks of men and women. And the Bible said man's days will be six, and then he'll rest on the Sabbath. Okay, 6,000 years. Man's day upon this planet. Man's, man's lease, if you will, upon this planet. Man has 6,000 years to stay here. And then it's, it's like Genesis 6. I don't strive with them anymore. Tribulation comes. The Bible said it rests on the Sabbath. Yes, the millennial reign. Six years is man's day. We've been here 6,000 years. I mean, I know we ain't been here 6,000 each, but we've all had a period of time, and man's time since God made Adam has been 6,000 years up to the time of Christ. 4,000 in the Old Testament, and near 2,000 uh, to where we are right now from the time Jesus was crucified, near 2,000. So we got to be down to the last days or the latter time, right? Time is running out. Time is running out. And so we realize that we are in the last days. The early church did not worry about mega churches. I do know that 3,000 were saved and 5,000 saved, but that was because God was wanting to get the church going. They didn't all stay together. He sent persecution because they wouldn't leave and He spread them all out. Uh, he told them, He said, Tarry in Jerusalem till you be in due repair from on high and then you'll be witnesses unto Me in Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But what happened was when the Holy Ghost came and they had that service there in Acts 2 and, and uh, another one in Acts 5 and these people were getting saved, they didn't want to leave and I wouldn't either. But God had to send persecution to make them spread out, go in different places. The early church was not focused on huge crowds, but holy living. Now we have huge crowds, but they're made up of people that live unholy. And what happens is when you get a church full of unholy people, the power gets shut off. Remember this, the more pure the church, the more powerful the power, the presence of God. Some people would rather have huge crowds than to have great power. 
and uh, which I know you can have a small crowd still not have great power, and that ain't no blessing either, because you can have small crowds that live like the devil. You can have small crowds that do everything against the Bible, and uh, you got the same thing there. But you can't read the New Testament without realizing that the early church focused on purity. And right at the beginning of the early church, you had a man and his wife come in trying to deceive the Lord like they gave something that they didn't really give. God killed them both. You say, why? Because he's trying to keep the church pure. You say, why don't the Lord do that now? Well, he's left it up to, to us. You say, I'm supposed to kill somebody? No, you're not supposed to kill anybody, but we're supposed to try to maintain godliness and holiness in the church. Uh, and that mainly falls on the overseer, the pastor, uh, the deacons, the elders. Sometimes you have to address things, but nobody wants to address anything anymore because nobody wants to offend anybody because everybody's so easily offended. It's not them out there that needs to get woke. It's us in here. And not in the way they are out there. Uh, amen? So now let me go back. I know you're uh, you're thinking I'm a heretic, but hear me out before you get on. Because you're saying, well, if the Antichrist has got to be revealed first, then Jesus couldn't come tonight. Well, let's see what it says. Let's see what the Bible says here tonight. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the day of Christ. See, they thought He'd already come. They'd missed it. He said, that day cannot come except there come a falling away first. Well, we don't have to worry about that. It's already happened. We're already at a falling away. I've been in this thing 42 years. There's a whole lot been fell away from when I started. And they're falling away every day. We don't have to wait for a falling away. We done had one. We're in one. Or in one, COVID helped that along. That was, that was the devil's deal. Amen. So, uh, we've already had it falling away. And notice, underline, first. In other words, he said this falling away has got to take place first. It already has taken away, fallen away. The Lord could come tonight as far as that point's concerned. And that man of sin be revealed. It doesn't say how many people it's got to be revealed to. There might be somebody tonight already knows who it is. I taught this when I was going through John uh, that. And let's go back and look at it, though, just to refresh your memory. In John chapter 13, verse 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of His disciples whom Jesus loved. Of course, if you've been coming to church here very long, you know that I've taught for years that John is a type of the church. Because the Bible said 
he referred to himself always as that disciple whom Jesus loved. You say, Jesus loves everybody. The Bible said he loved the church and died for it. The Bible said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But he said Christ loved the church. And John always refers to himself as that disciple whom Jesus loved. John is close to the Lord. He's leaning on his breast. He's got his, his head laying on the heart of Jesus. He's hearing the heartbeat of Jesus. And these other disciples, they're not that close. And they say, John, you asked him who it is. You're close to him. You asked him. And that's exactly what John did. John, uh, John there uh, said, Simon Peter therefore beckoned him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. And he that lying on Jesus' breast said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop. When I have dipped it, and when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas. Do you think, you think John knew who it was? Of course he did. Jesus said, Jesus said, this, it's this one right here. I'm giving this to. He knew who it was. Did all the other disciples know? Did all the other 70 disciples and all the 500 that seen him after the resurrection, they all know? No, they didn't know. Not then. It was revealed to them later. Revealed to them later. So I say this, that uh, if the Antichrist was to be revealed, it doesn't say it'll be revealed to all. You see, there's two revealings in this chapter of the Antichrist. The first one, it says he's revealed. It doesn't say to how many he's revealed to, but some in tune, prayed up, read up, in tune with God person, they might see it. They might say, that's, that's him. That's him. But all the body of Christ wouldn't. A lot of the body of Christ don't even know who Noah is. They never read their Bible. They never study. It's like the the one fellow deacon. Deacon come up to the preacher and said, Preacher, got a question for you. Say what? He said, The Bible said that ark, and he gave all the dimensions of it and everything. And he said, how in the world did they ever crop pack that over Jordan? He thought that ark was the same ark. Now you laugh at that, but there's people in the church that biblical illiterate. Because they never read the Bible, they never listen to the preacher, their preacher don't know nothing to start with. Their teachers don't know nothing to start with. They get saved when they're 10 years old and they go to the same church until they're 70 years old and they couldn't pass a, a junior Sunday school lesson test. Because they don't go to Sunday school, they don't read their Bible. The preacher never preaches anything about but salvation. That's important. But once you get saved, you don't got that. You need other stuff. You need other stuff. Amen. So let's look here. Uh, now he says, uh, let's look at what we do know. We know that there's going to be a falling away to take place first. And it already has and is already going on and will continue to go on until Jesus comes. 
the Lord could come right now. And a man of sin be revealed. Well, we've already got some stuff revealed about him. Right there in the Bible. We already have had it revealed to us, at least these things, he will be a man. See, with women running for president and these transgenders and these it's and all these other things we got, uh, could say it'd be something else. But the Bible, our Bible tells us that this will be a man. So it is going to be a man. I'm running out of time, so I've got to hurry. And it even tells us what he's called. The man of sin be revealed, the son of perdictition. It's the devil's son. God had a son. The devil imitates everything Jesus does, so the devil's going to have a son. Son of perdictition. Now, that phrase is only used one other time in the Bible. In John 17. In John 17, and verse 12, Jesus has prayed for His disciples. He's talking to them now. And He says in verse 12, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in Thy name. Those that Thou gavest Me, I have kept. And none of them is lost, underline it, but the son of perdictation, that the Scripture may be fulfilled. Don't you think that's odd? That only two times we have a mention of a phrase, the son of perdictation, and both of them have to do with somebody that's antichrist. You want it a little plainer than that? Look back in John 6. I call that the antichrist chapter because the Bible said many of them walked away from him, walked no more with him. But look at verse 70. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? We know this about the Antichrist. We know he has some association with Judas. Some think it will be Judas resurrected. I've never believed that, but I do believe there's a connection there. Alright, we know this about the Antichrist. It's already been revealed to us. We know this. His Spirit's already here. Look in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. There's going to be a bunch of them. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Did you ever see any more Antichrist than what we got right now? I mean, I don't want to get into politics, but I've never seen so many people against the Bible and against God, against the church and against Christians in my life. Well, even in John's day, A.D. 90, he said there were already many Antichrists. So I guess today we could say there's already millions of Antichrist. Wouldn't you think so? We know this about the Antichrist. 1 John 2 and verse 22. Who is a liar? The devil. He was the father of lies. 
But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Antichrist, and denieth the Father and the Son. Antichrist denies God. The Antichrist denies Jesus. It don't say how much is going to be revealed to us, but we've already had stuff revealed to us about the Antichrist. The Lord could come tonight, as far as I'm concerned. The Lord could come tonight. Um, it could be, could be tonight. Okay, uh, I'm running out of time here. Let me see what I want to get in. Okay, First uh, Thessalonians one and ten. Never let it be said that we are waiting for the Antichrist. Why? Because look at verse 10 of chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians. But to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus was delivered to us from the wrath to come. We're not waiting for the Antichrist or watching for Him either one. We're watching for the Christ. Amen. One preacher used this illustration. So you start telling your kids, some of you do, some of you don't, it's up to you. But you start telling your kids after November, about December, Santa Claus is coming. And you can tell them everything else before that. Ain't Mary's coming, ain't Sue's coming, your cousin's coming over. They're not looking for any of that, they're looking for Santa Claus to come. And I don't know what else, whatever else is going to come, but I'm not looking for it. I'm looking for Jesus to come. But I tell you what, I, what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to change this Bible to make it fit what I've always been taught or what I believe. I'm going to, I'm going to let this Bible change me. Because the Bible ain't never wrong. I'm the one that's always wrong. Amen. All right, well, we didn't get as far as I wanted to tonight, but I guess we got as far as God wanted us to get tonight. And I uh, appreciate you coming. We'll get back into this whenever it works out again. We're back in Bible study. We'll figure up, finish up these, uh, this uh, last of this chapter.